Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of not one of the most scintillating hour in finance radio. And like I said, I can say that with confidence because we're, I think it's, it's like a one horse race. I think we might be the only unscripted, uh, non infomercial style radio show, finance radio show. On the weekend. So it's not arrogant when I say it. It's factual. Just didn't tell you that there's just, it's a one, it's a one horse race. Anyway, tons of stuff to talk about today. Um, talk about how we're, you know, we're getting off to a, a raging bullish start here in the new year. And I was telling our people in the three minute open that I do for that show up here in Seattle that um, I hear a lot of the bullishness is coming back out. If you haven't noticed, this is one of the things I want people to understand if you're an active investor, or even if you're just, you know, somewhat of a observer or whatever the case may be, just that you have a better understanding of the way things are going. Haven't you noticed how funny it is that as soon as stocks go down, everybody's like hiding under their desk. But the minute they go up, it's here we go. It's like a bull breakout. And if it, and what I mean is funny about that is that you can see that change in the minute in the, in the spread of two weeks with no new news. And it, and it goes to a phenomenon we talk about is that uh, a lady on Twitter I follow, Helen Meisler, pretty, pretty, pretty sharp, funny lady, been in the business for a long time. She has a saying that she uses all the time, which she says, nothing changes sentiment like price. They don't want to buy it when it's cheap, but man, when it gets expensive, <laughs> it's tempting. Now, I'm not going to buy it for 95, but if you mark that up to 101, we might have a deal. Um I just, I find that funny, right? Nothing changes, nothing, nothing fundamental occurs. There's no new, you know, release from the Fed or economic data that would support that view, but uh, price went up. So it makes it more exciting, makes it more appetizing. It's, it's funny. Now there's something to that, right? Like it's, it's momentum based trading and things like that, but it's just funny to me because you haven't broken through any of those things. There isn't any momentum. Right. So you can't even talk about a technically bullish market. Um, but it's just it's it's an observation that I want to share. Just pay attention to that. And and remember, that's why investing's hard. Right? I think that's like a that's like a front row seat to what you, that is proof of what makes investing hard. It, we we and it's strange because we don't look at it any other way with any other thing. Right. When houses go up in price, it doesn't make it more attractive to purchase the house for most of us. Right. You got the FOMO people and the house flippers that, you know, it draws some people in. But I'm saying for most of us, nobody sits there and goes, man, that house sold five years ago for a million. Now it's going for two point two. Boy, that looks attractive. Right. What does everybody say? They go, let's wait for a pullback. And you see that with everything. You know, you can get it. I mean, I know it's different because if you buy clothes, you can't lose a ton of money. But, you know. Nordstrom's has a half year's yearly sale and the place is packed, right? Uh, when things are full price, like in October, nobody's in there, right? The stock market's the opposite. Um, now, I think that there's good reason why people aren't too bulled up right now, but it's just, it's funny to me, it, right? The, the, we, if the, if the S&P is at 3,800, the sky is falling, bump it up to 4,000 and everybody's getting excited. It's just funny how, funny how it works. Anyway, getting to the market update. Um, so let's talk about those key levels because they have my attention. I mean, you guys know my macro outlook and we're going to get to it later in the show. But why is one of the reasons that we watch the technical levels? Well, especially in this market, um, one of the analogies I use and guys, when I'm talking about technical, um, what I'm talking about is reading charts. Okay. Looking at charts and there's all kinds of patterns that can form with, with stocks. Um, Tesla is a good example. If you go look at the chart on Tesla, and let me pull it up really quick just to make sure that I'm not speaking out of turn. I don't think I am. I think I remember it clearly, but just want to make sure, right? Just got to, we got to, we got to fact check, got to verify stuff, even when it's coming from me, 
Um, so anyway, let's see here. Five year. Yeah. So if you go pull up a chart on Tesla and, and I'd encourage you to do this because this is a perfect example of technical analysis. What you'll see there, if you look at the five year chart, what you see there is in August of, let's see, where were we at? In January 1st, 21, you saw Tesla trading it. Remember, we've had a couple splits since then, so the numbers aren't the same. But you saw Tesla hit a high at 264. At that point, it was the all-time high on the stock. Okay, then by by November of 21, at the end of 21, so about a year and a half, well, what, a year and a quarter ago, Tesla hit was up another, what was that? She's 50% from there, 381. Okay, that was its all-time high. Okay, then you saw it get slammed down in the beginning of, you know, went from 381 down to 290. Okay, then popped back up to 359, but just for a very short period of time, got hammered again down at 224 and then went back up. Anyway, if you go look at it, it, this is referred to, it's not textbook, but pretty close. This is what we call a head and shoulders pattern. Okay, where you have a high set, stock pulls back and then goes to its ultimate new high, stays there for a little while, and then and then starts falling back down the other side and rallies a little bit at that same level that was the first, right? The first shoulder when it was, so for Tesla, the left shoulder happened in January 1 of 21, 264. That was the first all-time high, pulled back to as low as 208 and then went on another rally all the way up to 381 where the all-time high was. And then you start dropping back down the other side and you paused out at a right around 297 to 275. Remember, the left hand shoulder was 264. You stalled out right around that level and then you plunged down to the other side. One of the reasons that we were so bearish on Tesla uh, recently was that chart pattern. And I, I, I can't really tell you why it works, guys. When I first started doing this in the business, I laughed at all these technical guys reading charts because it was like witchcraft, right? It's like line up the bones and see what they tell us. Um, It really depends on the market you're in, okay? And this is why we have a momentum portfolio, an algorithmic-based portfolio that is based purely off technicals, and we use both of those. We use that along with our value portfolio. And the reason we do that is because markets are driven by one of two things. You're either in a fundamentally driven market or you're in a technical market. I like to look at them all the time. And I've said this before on the show, the way we look at technical analysis is technical analysis very rarely, very rarely tells us what to buy or sell, but it's very helpful telling us when to buy and sell. Okay. So one of the, one of the, and and, and Tesla proves it. One of the reasons I was so bared up on Tesla, other than the fact that I think that there's a good possibility there may be some fraud and I don't mean big fraud. I just, I think there's, I, I just can't get over the accounting still with that one. But anyway, I don't want to get over, I don't want to go off on a rail here. Um, when, when, when we were on the right side after it topped out on that second, the, so the right hand side of the chart, that second shoulder, and we started moving down again, got down to that 194 level. That is a death chart. Okay. The head and shoulders where you've got the high peak in the middle and then you have the two shoulders on either side. I'm sure we can find an exception, but this is one of the patterns in a stock that I will never ignore. Okay, because I've just seen it play out too many times when you see this head and shoulders pattern. To me, in my experience, a real hardcore technical guy might say, no, no, this is the pattern. that's the best." in my personal experience. I've never seen a head and shoulders pattern not lead to significantly new lows. Okay. So it, it works. Um, not all the time, right? What we're, we're in my opinion, the sweet spot, what I'm always, what I want to, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for good value, good company with good technicals, right? That's the sweet spot. That's what, that's what you're aiming for. But, um, but you know, technicals are a big help to us in the value portfolio. And people go, what are you talking about? And I go, well, one of the tough things about looking at things through a fundamental value, like we're a fundamental lens where you're trying to find good companies trading it cheap is that remember objects in motion tend to stay in motion. And that is true in markets too. One of the things you learn, and hopefully we we teach you on this show is that there is this belief out there by a lot of novice people or new or retail investors that the prices you see in the market are reality. And we've talked about this on the show before too. 
They're not, right? It's just the price, the last price that the stock traded. And if you want me to tell you how they're not reality, Tesla, again, is a perfect example. Now, if you're talking to a Tesla bull, and I find this argument very funny, they sit there and they go, oh, 70% of the value of this company has been destroyed. Not true. The company was never worth that much. Okay, the only reason it was worth that much is because it was like a, it's like a club. It's like a cult. It was like a religion, right? People were just buying it blindly because the stock was going up and they liked their cars. Now, I'm not saying they don't make great cars. They got some great cars. I'm not a big fan of all of them. Model S is a gorgeous car. Wouldn't touch a Model 3. But you, so I'm, it's no knock on Tesla, right? But when you see those kinds of breakdowns on those stocks, or no, what I was saying was, let's say I find a company. Now, before, well, before I do that, the, the analogy I want to use about how price is just kind of interpretive is one of the prices, if we were going to come up with a real price of Tesla, right? One of those prices has to be true or closer to the truth than the other, right? Is it worth, what's that high again? What was it? Three, 381 or is it worth 120? Okay. Well, I will just tell you fundamentally looking at it. I don't think it's worth 120. Why? Because if you look at the growth rate and you look at the profitability and you look at the headwinds they're currently up against and you look at all the competition that's coming online, I'm not saying it's not possible that Tesla ever reaches a valuation that is closer to its high watermark. But I'm just saying it's unlikely because no car company ever has. Why? Because it's not that profitable of a business. And as more competition comes in, it's going to get less profitable. So what I'm saying, though, is see how the market can do that. Even with a popular stock like Tesla, 70% of the value of that company can just be personal interpretation. But it's not value, right? They're like, oh, they've killed the value of this company. No, it was never there. It was just an illusion. And so one of the reasons that we like to use technical analysis is to avoid catching a falling knife. Because again, in markets, the reason I'm pointing out Tesla is to show you how wide a range these things can swing in. And so when you sit there and go, that's, I'm paying this price for this stock today and this is what the company's worth. No, that's literally the, the, that's the price that the last person that bought their stock thinks it's worth. Doesn't mean it's worth that. You want even a better example? Go look at what people were paying for Lehman Brothers stock in August of 2008. That value changed pretty quick, right? So that previous value wasn't the real value. And so knowing that, knowing that markets, that things can go up so much higher than they're actually worth, but also the flip side, they can go down further than what they're worth. I would rather buy a stock that has begun going up than buy a stock that's going to fall another 30%, even if the company's worth it, right? Just, I mean, I wouldn't you, <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if you have to take a 25 to 30% hit while you're waiting for things to play out, sure. But, but if you could avoid it, wouldn't you? Well, one of the nice ways, one of the nice things about technical analysis, it helps you avoid that. So, you know, for instance, I will be looking at to value a company. If I find one that's really valuable that I think has got great potential and it's got, you know, really makes me want to buy it. Then I go flip around and look at the chart and I try to figure out, is this something I should buy today? Is the stock running? Is the market appreciating the value of this company? But if the market isn't, I'm looking at the chart as well as the valuations, trying to figure out where I think a good buying entry place would be. And it saved me a ton of money. Okay. So technical analysis works. Anyway, that's my long preamble on technical analysis. Now, when you get into markets like this that are this crazy, and when I say crazy, guys, you haven't seen as big of up and down moves lately, but there's all kinds of madness going on under the surface. Meaning, if you look at the volatility index, the volatility index is down all the way. The VIX is down all the way to, uh, let's see, where are we at right now? The volatility, oh my goodness, you're pushing 18. The VIX looks like it wants to go into 17. Okay, what that's telling you. Now think about this market. Think about the things that are getting slaughtered, right? Think about the what we're up against economically, okay? 
the, when the VIX is 18, what that is telling you is that the skies are clear. Everything's good, right? Now, that doesn't mean one thing, right? There, we can't glean, well, that means the market's going to go up. That means the market's going I'm just using that as an analogy to show you how bizarre this market still is, right? It's crazy. I mean, you're watching things trade, you know, look at, look at Bed Bath & Beyond. Bed Bath & Beyond. Now, we made some really good money on that thing during the uh, crisis, but we made really good money on it. We made more than we should have. When I remember buying that stock at $3 and I want to say it was like $3.80. Um, and the reason we bought it then was because it got killed. And the argument at the time was they don't have a very good online presence. They're not going to do well during this, right? Well, when I, the minute I heard that, and then the company was extraordinarily cheap at that point too. I mean, it was, shoot, we we're buying it for like a $480 million market cap. But the reason I, 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 the reason we bought it is because we'd been researching that company for a while and we knew that they had poured tons of money into their online sales presence and they were already getting outstanding returns prior to COVID. Okay. Now for them at that time, right? It's, it hasn't continued. It kind of petered out last year and then pulled back again. But um, the reason that it was getting beat up was wrong, right? Now we bought it because we thought fair value on it at that time was between like 13 to 15 bucks. So I was sitting there going, hey, we, this, I think we could make a good three or four times our money here. Well, it got caught up in the meme stock phase and ended up going to 43, 46. No, it went higher than that. I ain't got up to 60. I think we sold out I, I, in the high 40s or, or low 50s, somewhere in there. I, I want to say it was like 46. Anyway, long story short, um, this thing's going bankrupt, okay? Because they're online as soon as it, it, funny enough, COVID was actually helping them because of their online presence and the, and the, and the fact that they turned other stores into staging, uh, uh, proper staging houses. Um, so as soon as COVID pulled back and that's why we cut it, I mean, it, at, in the forties, it was just insane. I was like, this thing just isn't worth that. Um, but as soon as COVID ended, it, it, so the market had it wrong, right? It wasn't COVID that was going to hurt it. COVID actually kept it alive, right? It was as soon as COVID ended and people could shop other places, then they started having trouble. This, this company's going bankrupt. Okay. And let's see, where is it at? It now it's down 27% yet today, but in the last, let's see, in the last five days, it went from 170 a share to a high yesterday of 557. Okay, there's no news. The reason this is happening is because the retail guys are trying to recreate the GameStop deal. They're talking about it online. It's not me just kind of, you know, guessing. Um, they all think that, hey, we're going to get back on the whole, the, 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 you know, the whole meme stock deal and this is going to be the next GameStop and it's going to be great. Guys, those are not things that happen at bottoms of markets. Okay, what that tells me is that the idiocy and the the <laughs> the moronic nature of these invest they're still going strong. Okay, so that's an that's another indicator to me that we're not through the woods yet. Now I went a little long there on my technical analysis side of things, so we'll come back after the break and finish up the market update because there are several other things I want to get to. As always, guys, you know, last year average client was down right around five percent. Uh, this year we're up about four, something like that. Um, that's the way a retirement portfolio should work. When things are really nasty, I'm not happy that we were down. It was my first down year. I actually went back and checked that. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's accurate. It was my first down year. Wasn't happy, but guess what? It didn't hurt anybody. We're not down 2025. Give us a call. 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. You can do better. We can get you better upside potential, way less risk, way less fees. And you don't have to get smacked in a year like last year where most people lost a quarter of their retirement. You don't need to do that. And you don't have to you don't have to sacrifice upside. Give us a call. Anyway, we'll be right back after the break. Stick with us. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. If you're retired or headed there, ask yourself, is my portfolio set up for a successful retirement? 
Well, 2023 is looking like a wild ride, meaning risk management has never been more important. Join Bulwark Capital Zach Abraham for his free live webinar January 26th to learn how risk management is a very specific technique that can lower volatility for you. Todd, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the Bulwark investment strategy. We'll show you how it worked last year as well as in previous years and why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is out outdated and a big risk in today's economy learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement don't miss it january 26th at three o'clock it's free but space is limited register now at knowyourriskradio.com learn about bulwark's risk management strategy and performance that's knowyourriskradio.com investment advisory services offered through trek financial llc and sec registered investment advisor you're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, this is a really tiny, quick segment here just because I forgot to do this throughout the rest of the show. So forgive me. But we know we've been doing this for a while now, been on the radio for seven years, seven and a half years. Um, and so we have the, we, we know all the metrics and on average, somebody listens to the show about 12 to 14 months prior to calling us or becoming a client. Okay. And I totally get that. So I'm not trying to speed up your process, but rather than just listening to the show, cause if you're trying to figure out if we know what we're talking about, you got seven years of shows. So you can go back and listen to what we were saying in January of 2020 before COVID hit, you know, cause I say, well, we didn't lose during COVID. We'll go back and listen. You know, it's, I always tell people the greatest thing about being on the radio is also the worst thing. You make a good call. It lives forever. You make a bad one. It lives forever. So I think that's the best way. If I was looking at credibility with a firm like us or a guy like me, I I would just go listen to the other shows and look at the markets and see if they actually knew what they were talking about. Um, The other thing to do, and the reason we started doing this guys is it's low commitments. You don't have to put yourself out there. But we do our roadshow seminars, right? Our, 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 well, our roadshows. I, I hate that word, seminar. We do about six of them a year. We've got one coming up on January 26th, which is a Thursday at 3 p.m. If you can't log on live, well, first of all, and I'm not kidding, um, we typically get about 170 people to sign, 150 to 170 people we may have fixed this already. I got to talk to our guys, but we may have fixed it already. But uh, the we can typically in the past, we could only take 100. So make sure you get in there. But if you can't get into that seminar, if we run out of space or if you miss it, we record it and we can send it out to you. So you can register online. You don't even have to talk to anybody. You can get in. I do about 30 to 40 minutes walking through our entire process, planning our investments, how we how we manage how we build the portfolios, the performance, the cost, the whole shoot and match, and then also run you through, you know, what we do for long-term care and all that kind of, run you through the whole package deal, do that in about 40 minutes, and then do a Q&A session, which usually lasts about 20. I think that's the best way to kick the tires. So go to knowyourworkradio.com, or excuse me, knowyourriskradio.com, management.com. You can sign up for the seminar, the free roadshow that's coming up January 26th, Thursday at 3 p.m. You don't want to miss it, and I think it's the best way just to figure out what we do, how we do it, and get to know me a little bit better. Anyway, we'll be back right after this break. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. If you're retired or headed there, ask yourself, is my portfolio set up for a successful retirement? Well, 2023 is looking like a wild ride, meaning risk management has never been more important. Join Bulwark Capital Zach Abraham for his free live webinar January 26th to learn how risk management is a very specific technique that can lower volatility for you. Todd, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the Bulwark investment strategy. We'll show you how it worked last year as well as in previous years and why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is out 
outdated and a big risk in today's economy. Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement. Don't miss it. January 26th at 3 o'clock. It's free, but space is limited. Register now at knowyourriskradio.com. Learn about Bulwark's risk management strategy and performance. That's knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Let's get let's let's wrap this sucker up here. So oh, and I need to finish this. So right now, getting back on the technical analysis side. Sorry, I got a little off the rails there. We started talking about technicals and Tesla and Bed Bath and Beyond, and I can get a little sidetracked. Anyway, what, what I am so interested in the markets right now is, guys, the, the, the fundamental backdrop is obviously really ugly, okay? But in this market that has been so momentum-driven and so many weird things have happened, you cannot, in investing, ever sit back and go, I know 100% how things are going to – nobody does. And if they tell you they know 100%, that's the one guy on earth you shouldn't listen to, okay? Nobody knows, But we very, and we'll go through the economics too, we very much believe that this is a long way from over. Um, But these bear market rallies can be vicious. And we're really really flirting with interesting levels right now. Right now, NASDAQ is hanging out right around the 11,000. As I do this today, I think it's up at around 11,040. Now, the the top end of the range that we've been tracking, and I described this last week, but this downward move in the market is a very organized trend. Another reason why technical analysis should not be looked sideways at. You can just go, and the way you do it is you take a ruler from the all-time high of the NASDAQ, okay, and you line that ruler up with the other high marks, you know, the other peaks of this year. And when you do that, because the market is going down, you're drawing a line that's hitting, you know, so the market dropped 20% and then rallied 10, right? That's another high. Then it dropped another 10% and then rallied five. Those, those rally points, those are your high marks. And so you draw a line that touches all of those marks And if that line touches several marks and is moving down, you got a bear market. That's a trend, right? And the market is adhering to that trend. When it hits that upper trend line, it's backing down. That's what a bear market is. Conversely, you draw the line on the bottom side. So you you have it converged through the bottom, the first bottom, and then the second bottom, right? And, And that's what we define as a bear market, lower highs and lower lows, right? And those two lines are what we refer to as your trend channel, okay? When, when the market, and you can just see it, that's why you can go take a look at that. You can draw those lines yourself. You can see it. When the market rallies through the top line of that trend channel, it doesn't mean you're out of the woods, but what it does mean is normally you've got a better than not odds that the bottom's probably in. And the NASDAQ right now, that 11,070 level, the way we're tracking it, that is the very top end of the channel. And the NASDAQ is just bumping up against it. And it's been bumping up against it for about a week. Um, you know, close to it. It's been like 10,600. It'd gone a little rally. But you're just right there right now. And what's interesting is we flip over to the S&P 500. It's the exact same scenario. With the S&P 500, the top end of that channel is actually also the 200-day moving average. So the more, right, the more of those averages you put together. So if like the top end of your channel happens to be coinciding with the 200-day moving average, and then some days you can see the 200-day move, sometimes you see the 200-day and the 100-day are at the exact same spot based on the way the market had moved. But anyway, the more stuff you pack in there, so let, let's say your stock's breaking through the up end, upper end of your channel, and that upper end of your channel is the 200-day and the 100-day moving average of that stock or that market. The more of those factors you pile in, the more significant that market gets. So for instance, if a market or a stock breaks through the top end of its channel, if it's been in a bear trend, breaks through the top end of its channel, and breaks and holds above the 200-day moving average, 
I don't know what the numbers are, but probably nine times out of 10, that stock's going higher and probably significantly so. Okay, so we've got to pay attention to it. It's not absolute. And what's interesting is all of those indexes are pushing up against those upper bands um, at the same time. And with the S&P, like I said, the upper band is also the 200 day. So it's pretty significant. Now, the NASDAQ's a little bit different. The NASDAQ's 200-day moving average isn't much. It, it, it's still about 6% away. It's at about 11,600. So as the market as a whole, if, the, if, if all three indexes continue to rally and the NASDAQ got above and held above 11,600, I wouldn't have any short positions on at that time. I probably wouldn't get uh, aggressively invested because the backdrop is still so bad. And stocks, relatively speaking, are still so expensive. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show, and I'm going to explain to you exactly what I mean. Um, but you just have to take those things seriously because, like I said, if something breaks and holds above its 200-day moving average and is also broken out of its its uh, bear trend, it just normally goes higher. And a lot of times that's a significant move. So we got to pay attention to that, right? We, we, we can go in there with what we fundamentally believe, but if the market tells us we're wrong, we got we got to pivot. Right. So you got to be on your toes. You got to be flexible. And in my opinion, especially in markets like this, you need to be looking. I always believe fundamentals matter the most because at the end of the day, that is what is going to drive a stock or a company or a market in the long term. But when you get in a market that's this crazy with this much disparate action, with this much currency volatility, with rate increase, all that kind of stuff, there's so many different things you need to look at not just the fundamentals, but you also need to look at the technicals. And again, guys, this is another thing that sets us apart. This is one of the reasons that we have two stock portfolios, right? Because one approach doesn't work in all markets. What do you need? You need both. And there's also been a phenomenal amount of uh, uh, research done that one of... And it wasn't done by me. There's a 100-page research paper put out by a firm called AQR talking about the the long-term debate between value investing, fundamentally-based investing, and momentum-based investing on technicals, right? And there's two different schools of thought, and usually those two never converge in the middle, right? They're, they're, they're a value guy or they're a momentum guy. Well... I always look down my nose at momentum. Like I said, I thought it was like reading chicken bones, right? Um, but what I found, and, and a big part of it was through that research paper put out by AQR, that if you combine both approaches, I actually thought it was funny too because so many things in life turn out this way, right? If you combine a, te- a, a fundamental approach and a momentum approach, it actually increases your gains and lowers your downside risk over time. And what do we talk about all the time? Risk management, right? So when we discovered that and then checked it and did our own homework on it and all that kind of stuff, that's why we adopted a momentum portfolio. We're all about risk management. I mean, at the end of the day, who doesn't want to make more money taking less risk? That's the whole name of the game. It's the holy grail of investing. So you got to pay attention to those things. Um, Now, let's do the other thing I want to look at is we've been talking about the five horsemen of economic doom, right? I've been talking about that a lot. And I know that's a little bit hyperbolic. I'm not saying it, but one of the things that I was arguing about for predominant for most of last year, and it's why every single big rally the market had, I, I thought it was a, um, a good opportunity to increase your shorts, you know, and, and get more defensive or, or take some, you know, take advantage of that upswing and, and lighten your load because we were going to head lower. And, and one of the reasons I felt so sure of that last year was the five horsemen, okay? And at the time, when, and it's still very much in play, but higher inflation, a historically strong dollar, uh, revenue and earnings stalling, revenue and earnings growth stalling out and contracting, so just natural recessionary forces that look to be uh, in the market, higher interest rates, and consumer spending pullback through an end of the end of the stimulus. And what I'm, the argument I was making, when you combine all those things together, you're just it's not an environment where stocks are going to rally. And that's why we were so convinced last year that every single rally should be sold. 
um, just because that's not it's just not an environment conducive to 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 higher economic growth or higher stock prices. It's just not. Okay. Now let's revisit those. Let's check into those on the inflation side. Inflation is pulled back a little bit guys, but not anywhere close to getting the fed to cut. Right. So you're going to hear all this fed pivot talk guys, everybody you hear talking about, Oh, the fed needs to cut rate. Listen, I'll just tell you this right now. Fed ain't cutting rates in the next three months. And I don't think you're going to see them cut rates in the next six months. I think the soonest they're going to cut rates is nine months, and I'd be shocked if they do it that quick. The, the market's living in la-la land, okay? And why won't they cut? Because what's going to happen if the Fed cuts rates? Boom, stock market's going to go right back up. Housing is going to reaccelerate, and they're going to be looking at 7 to 8 9% inflation again, okay? They're not going to do it. Um, And one of the reasons they're not going to do it is the stock market, meaning... And, and, and this has changed over time. You know how people used to say it's not the economy, it's the market. And the stock market and the economy are two different things. That is less true today than it was 20 years ago. And you can just see it in consumer spending. Chart consumer spending with the S&P 500. And if you want a really good pick, chart consumer spending and the Fed's balance sheet growth with the S&P 500 and the correlations like one, right? It's a perfect picture. But... The Fed is not just going to pull, okay? They're just not going to do it. So if you hear people talking about, oh, they're going to pivot, they're going to start cutting, not going to happen. And they've told you this. And that's what's so crazy. We got that inflation print the other day, inflation to pull back 0.1%. That's not good news. Why? Yeah, it's down a little bit, but you're still running right around, what, 6, 8 or something like that, 7? And the reason I said it wasn't good news is because it is not anywhere close to what the Fed needs to see to let not let, let, let alone cut, but to even pause. So the Fed just said even the other day, I, or, or, or look, they're, they're going to raise again, and it's going to be at least 25 basis points. So, and I will just tell you this, when the market rallies because of that, that's a good clue to me. Again, don't, I don't know for sure, but it's a good clue to me that we're not done. Why? Interest rates going up does not make stocks more valuable. It doesn't. It's like a baseline fact in investing. It's called the discount rate. What we, if I make a risk-free asset like a U.S. government bond in terms of you're guaranteed to get your dollars back, right? It can lose over time because of you know interest rates and all that kind of stuff. But I'm saying in terms of getting your money back, it's the safest play in the world. Now, money may not be worth anything, but you're going to get paid back, right? It's like what we tell people about Social Security. Don't worry about Social Security. It's going to be there. The question is, what's it going to be worth, right? So anyway, look, they're not going to cut anytime soon. They're going to raise again. And when you see markets rallying on that, it just, it, it, like I said, it just makes it even harder for me because what it tells me, and you combine that with the bed, bath and beyond stuff, what, what it tells me is the idiocy hasn't been beat out of this market. Then you, you also flip over to the valuations and the valuations are still ridiculous compared to what we're facing economically. So Anyway, we're not convinced at all, but that that pretty much does sum it up. Now, let's take a quick break because I've got a couple other things I want to get to while we still have time here. Uh, but anyway, guys, if this is the kind of thinking that you want, if you want a portfolio when the average stock bond portfolio is getting hit by 25%, and like I said, we're not out of the woods yet. We're not out of the woods yet. Our average client's 5%. We've almost clawed back. The I want to say the majority of the hit we took last year, we're, 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 we're bouncing back, flirting with even. Now, I, we, some of my clients be like, Zach, well, we're still down. No, I know, but we, you know, all in all, the average total client portfolio was only down about five. And that's the way we build them, guys. That's the whole point. That if, if an economic storm hits like we haven't seen in decades, you, it can't disrupt your retirement. And that's why we're active managers. That's why we're watching this stuff literally 24 hours a day. That's why I hire analysts on staff. That's why Chase Taylor, our macro and macroeconomic analyst, is coming to us full-time here in April. That's why I've brought in another portfolio manager to run our algorithmic portfolio. So you've got two different stock styles of portfolios in your stock holdings to maximize returns and smooth out those downsides and everything we have 
It's got a level of defense built into it. You can have more upside, pay less money, and take away less risk. There's a better way. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, or capitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. We'll be right back after the break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. If you're retired or headed there, ask yourself, is my portfolio set up for a successful retirement? Well, 2023 is looking like a wild ride, meaning risk management has never been more important. Join Bulwark Capital Zach Abraham for his free live webinar January 26th to learn how risk management is a very specific technique that can lower volatility for you. Todd, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the Bulwark investment strategy. We'll show you how it worked last year as well as in previous years and why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is outdated and a big risk in today's economy. Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement. Don't miss it. January 26th at 3 o'clock. It's free, but space is limited. Register now at knowyourriskradio.com. Learn about Bulwark's risk management strategy and performance. That's knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. What does outside-the-box investing really look like? Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management, and see a side-by-side comparison of your current portfolio versus one Zach would recommend. Schedule your free risk review at knowyourriskradio.com. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. All right, let's get right into it. A little bit pressed on time here. Um, really interesting interview I heard this week with Stan Druckenmiller. Now, who is Stan Druckenmiller? Stan Str- Druckenmiller started off his career as basically the the right-hand man to George Soros. Okay, now most of us do not like George Soros for good reasons. I think, um, I just don't think he's a very great, anyway, he and Stan Druckenmiller see the world completely different, differently. So I, we're not, Stan's not a bad guy. Okay. Um, but they're both incredible money managers. Stan Druckenmiller ran over a billion dollars for 30 years. He never had a down year and he averaged 32% returns. It's, it's unbelievable. Okay. And in my opinion, he's one of, in, in my opinion, he's the best ever. I mean, performance-wise, it's got to be Jim Simons at Renaissance Capital, but that's all quant, so I kind of look at that a little bit differently. In my opinion, Stan's the best ever do it. And he's just a very brilliant guy. And he was getting interviewed, and let's see if this, this sounds familiar. He was getting interviewed this week, and he said, look, people may not want to hear this but i'm in the prediction business now he goes and he give offers the same caveats i do in this crazy environment nobody knows for sure but he just said look our base case for this year is a recession and he goes and i think the recession's going to be deeper and longer than people think and the commentator well, why would you think that and he goes well the debt loads are bigger and it's been the longest we've ever gone without a recession and 9 times 9 out of 10 metrics we hit record valuations and uh, he goes, when you put those things together, he goes, if you want to know the severity or the length of most recessions in the past, you look at debt loads and you look at how long you've gone without one, right? And that's usually a really good indicator. And the fact that inflation is now becoming a problem, so we're not going to be in 0% interest rates, gravity-free financial world like we've been in the last 15 years. And, um, you know, he cited all the stuff, currency, he uh, talked about a pullback in consumer spending. He just goes, look, people can't spend as much. They're, they don't have as much money. They're not getting thousands of dollars of checks in the mail, right? Um, so, and he just said tired economy. So he also talked a little bit, not in great depth, about something I'm referring to as the three converging waves. Why do we feel so certain? Why do I say all the time that I think it's laughable that we're having a debate about whether or not there's going to be a recession. Because when you look at an environment, guys, 
where you've gone 15 years without a recession. And during those 15 years, you also see the greatest proliferation of debt, not just here in the U.S., and not just on government balance sheets, on corporate balance sheets, on personal balance sheets, the greatest proliferation of debt in history. You know, I mean, that, that's got to be a recession at some point, right? The other converging wave is inflation, dealing with inflation for the first time in 40 years, right? Um, meaning that the economy is not used to dealing with it. The economy has had nirvana for the last 15 years, which is low inflation, no interest rates. Again, it's zero gravity. If you can't make a business work in that environment, that business can't work, right? It's as friendly environment as you could possibly get. And then the other, the other converging wave is just consumer spending, meaning you've had record levels of stimulus. That stimulus has been pulled. I'm not, I am not so sure. And then we can get into other waves, right? The inversion of the yield curve. I mean, we can go on down the line. I'm not so sure that any one of those things could necessarily push you into recession. What I am sure of is you've never seen a time where you've had those size, those magnitude of waves converging at the same time and you didn't have a recession, right? So that to me is the big issue. So anyway, take it from the mouth of Stan Druckenmiller. You don't need to take it from me either, but his outlook and it made me feel better. I'm not bragging. It's not like Stan called me and got tips, but it's just helpful when you hear somebody like that, that has that kind of track record sit there and, you know, kind of back up what you're thinking and the way you're seeing it. It makes you feel like you're not crazy. Um, <clears throat> okay. The other thing I want to get to perfect example. If you want to know what I mean by the market being too expensive, still there's two stocks. I want you to take a look at the first one is Shopify. It's been a darling of this whole run. It's had a massive gain. Okay. And it has grown a lot as a company. I actually think it's a pretty solid company. But when you look at the valuation, they're doing about, what is it? I want to say they're doing about 4.8 to $5 billion in revenue. And the market cap, the value of all of their stocks outstanding, or all of the shares of their stock outstanding, right? The value of their company is, as it is based on the share price is $50 billion. So that's a stock trading at 10 times revenue. Okay. Not profit. It's also, what, what is it at? Uh, let's take a look here because it's pretty eye-watering. Um, let's see. It is at $50 billion, $49 billion market cap, 10 times revenue. And then let's see, it's, hold on, PE rate. Oh, it, it lost money last year, so it doesn't have a PE ratio. So it doesn't even have positive earnings. Okay, so a company that at present now that doesn't mean it won't next year. There's last year was a weird year for a lot of different reasons, but that means at present they're not even generating a profit. And if somebody was selling you this company, like if you're just buying it from your neighbor, they want you to pay. Right. It has no profit at this moment. Now it has, like I said, I, I think the profit will come back, but it's trading at about if, if the profit numbers were the same as they were Net income, negative, negative. No, it looks like they're still, no, they're still bleeding cash. Shoot, they haven't f turned a profit yet. Ouch. Okay, so that's even worse. Okay, so the neighbor's looking at you going, hey, we did $5 billion in revenue. You're like, okay, how much do you want for the company? He goes, $50 billion. Well, how much profit do you make? None. If that sounds crazy to you, it is. Nobody would buy a business at that price if it wasn't a stock. But because we're in a bubble mentality, bubble environment, nobody cares about the fundamentals. It's going up, baby. Okay, well, flip around. There's a different stock. Go look at Meli, M-E-L-I, Mercado Libre. It is a Latin American company that's kind of called, it's often referred to as the Amazon of Latin America. But it's, I would say it is a cross between Shopify and Amazon. Now, they're, and one of the reasons Shopify stock is so expensive is they are growing their revenue rapidly, but they're not putting out any earnings, right? If you look at Mercado, Mercado Libre, it's actually growing at, I think, a slightly faster pace, okay? It's doing double the amount of revenue. It's doing about $10 billion in revenue. It is cranking out massive earnings, and it is trading at five times revenue, okay? Now... It's not a North American company. It's Latin American. So there's kind of perceived as being more political risk there. So that should knock the price. My point is, 
is this company is bigger, it's more mature, and it's growing faster, and it's profitable, right? And it's an environment with less competition, and it's trading at half the valuation. Okay, so would I pay up with all things being held equal? Would I prefer a company that was in North America? Sure. So that's a little premium, but it's not double the cost. That's insane, right? So compare those two stocks. That's what I mean. And guys, this is the kind of thinking you need in this environment. This is the kind of research and analysis that you need in this environment, or you're going to step on landmines. Just because something's down 60 or 70% doesn't mean it can't go down another 50 or 60. I think this stock will. Where should it be at? It should probably be at no more than six times revenue, but it still needs to prove that it can crank out a profit at a consistent rate and hasn't done that. And for that kind of thinking, guys, that's why we are active managers. That's why we don't tell our clients every time they call us, oh, just ride it out. That's why we're hedging and protecting and looking not just to protect capital right now, but looking for good buys, good investments in the long run that have been beat up. If that's the kind of thinking you want, if you want more upside, way less downside and less fees, which guys, everybody should. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, boardcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Gotta run. We'll see you next week. Take care of yourself. Watch those technical levels. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management. Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. If you're retired or headed there, ask yourself, is my portfolio set up for a successful retirement? Well, 2023 is looking like a wild ride, meaning risk management has never been more important. Join Bulwark Capital Zach Abraham for his free live webinar January 26th to learn how risk management is a very specific technique that can lower volatility for you. Todd, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the Bulwark investment strategy. We'll show you how it worked last year as well as in previous years and why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is out outdated, and a big risk in today's economy. Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement. Don't miss it. January 26th at 3 o'clock. It's free, but space is limited. Register now at knowyourriskradio.com. Learn about Bulwark's risk management strategy and performance. That's knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.